his word this morning. Let's take a moment to do that. Our Heavenly Father, it's good to be able to ask you for your help to read, minister, receive, and live out your word. And so we pray for that again, that your spirit may be upon us, that the joys of Christ's coming may be ours to know now and forever, and that you will accept our thanks and prayers for the revelation that uh, occurred long ago of Christ in accordance with your promises and plans, and that you'd accept our prayers now also in the name of that great Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to read from Micah chapter 4 into chapter 5, verse 5, this morning. Micah is, uh, the page number would be 988 in your pew Bibles. Uh, We're going to read uh, Micah 4, chapter 5, verse 5. Some of these uh, verses quoted later when... Herod was trying to find out where the Christ child would be born and the people who knew the word came to Herod and said, well, this is what Micah 5 says about it. And uh, by that time, uh, thankfully, the angels had told Joseph and Mary to flee because Herod was after them. But uh, we're going to read from this portion of God's word, Micah 4, 1 through chapter 5, verse 5. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between many peoples, and shall decide for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. And the lame I will make the remnant and those who were cast off a strong nation, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, the former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished, that pain seized you like a woman in labor? Rise and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon. There you shall be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Not many nations are assembled against you, saying, Let her be defiled and let our eyes gaze upon Zion. 
But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plans, that he has gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron. I will make your hoofs bronze. You shall beat in, in pieces many peoples and shall devote their gain to the Lord, the wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. Now muster your troops, O daughter of Zion. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. God's blessings on his word this morning, we pray it would be a blessing for you to be sure. We've said it before, congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, of late that the coming of Christ is a central point in the history of humanity. Which is why, and we've mentioned this before, and you know that as well, that we mark our time by means of the birth of Jesus Christ. That's how significant this birth, this coming is. Even society as a whole has recognized that. To a degree, anyway. In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Whether then it was before his coming or after his coming, people in faith and need of comfort and encouragement can find it in the coming of Jesus Christ. And that was the case for these people in Micah's day. They were anticipating, they were being told that they were going to be exiled to Babylon. And that was a tumultuous time, like a woman laboring in childbirth. is chaotic. And they needed peace. They needed a word of encouragement. And that's the case for people today, too, who live in a chaotic world. They need a word of peace in a world of chaos. And for those who are unbelievers, they certainly need a word of peace to remedy their chaotic life. The coming of Jesus Christ deserves God's praise for keeping his promise to save. And it means peace on earth to those on whom God's favor rests. So concludes our passage even. As Jesus' coming means that he shall be our peace. This passage that we consider this morning certainly is no exception to that rule of peace and comfort. During a time of travail, likened to that woman in childbirth, in a time where trouble was everywhere, God nevertheless had gospel promise to share with his people. And it came focused in on this chosen ruler in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. The very same ruler out of Bethlehem that brings peace to his people today. 
who find in him their hope and their salvation and their peace. So we focus on that for a few moments this morning, on this chosen ruler from God, from Bethlehem. And so we look at his earthly source, very humble one. We also look at his heavenly exalted source and see him as the one who came to bring peace. We focus first on his humble earthly origins. You, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. We hear this clearly here, don't we, that the one who's promised to come to establish rule over God's people would be the one who would come out of Bethlehem, Ephrathah, which is just another name for Bethlehem. We know Bethlehem as the little town of Bethlehem. We know it to be the town of David's origins. And we know it indeed to be a small town, insignificant among the towns of the royal clans of Judah. But as was the case with a lowly shepherd, seventh among the sons of Jesse, who was the man of, after God's own heart to rule over his people, so also would this ruler have his humble beginnings. But he would have them that way to make a point. Because indeed, from this very small place, the ruler of God's people would come, a ruler who would rule the universe. That transforming promise and truth from humble beginnings to exaltation, that was so typical of God's way, and it is, isn't it? And if you're a believer, you know it too. We see it in our passage, how he was promising to bring a people together, a nation that would be strong. It would be comprised, ironically, of the lame and the outcast. Those who were weak, he would make strong. Those who were low, he would exalt. God, like Mary would say, would exalt those of low degree. And, like Peter, when we read in Acts, as he in the prison was called to rise, and while those of high degree were, would be made low, like a Herod Agrippa I who was eaten by worms, so is God, transforming, reversing things, transforming people's lives. From humble beginnings here, from times of travail in the aftermath of exile, a time away from one's homeland, God would, as our passage says, in the latter days, establish a kingdom where he would rule from Zion. And what do you know? It would be where people would come from all different nations to render him tribute and worship, and they would seek his direction from the word of God in worship, and then they'd go out and they would serve in obedient peace. This lowly beginning of this ruler would speak to the powerful mercy of God. It would speak to how powerful God was to save and to direct his people 
because he could do it as we even prayed about a moment ago with many or a few. But he chooses to do it with a few. With one. And he chooses to do it from lowly means to prove a point. A point about himself. A point about his power to save. And to show the way of those who would be saved by him. This one who would come, would come condescended, but he'd end up exalted. It spoke to his lowly state, but, but how God would take that lowliness and lead him to an exaltation for the glory of his name and the benefit of his people. And it would remind us of what he came to do for those he came to deliver and to save and to rule. He wanted to take them out of their lowly spiritual state and set them on a rock. Take them out of the miry clay and put them on a firm footing. To take them out of their slavery to sin so that they could be sons of God. From those who sought in their spiritual bankruptcy only to serve themselves because they thought that's what life was about. To those who now, lavished by God's grace, knew what life was about and would serve their Savior as the Savior served them on the road to glory. He was one so humble that he became man for the sake of his people. Promised son of David who would rule over his people forever because of his saving and, and perfect righteousness the perfect human that we needed him to be. Because we were not the kind of humans that he was. Yet we are called to have our attitude be like that of this Christ Jesus. Right? Who humbled himself to humanity. Who humbled himself to obedience. Who humbled himself to death on a cross so that through him... God might change our lives. Change them from dust to glory. Calling us to his salvation, calling us to his service, and calling us, which isn't that what people really want? His peace? Isn't that what people want in life? Contentment? Calling us with the hope of glory that will one day be ours through faith in Christ. There's a, there's a humble element to this ruler that we are not to forget. Certainly not in terms of what he did for us, but then also in the way that we are to reflect him. But there's also an exalted element to this ruler. And we read about that here as well, don't we? Whose coming forth is from of old from ancient days. And it contrasts his, his lowly human origins. The passage speaks of it that way, doesn't it? It starts with humility but it also and, and humanity, but it also gives us this exalted divine element. This is the one that's coming in the latter days. The latter days are the days of Christ's coming. In the former days, we read in Hebrews 1, God spoke through various means, but in the latter days, in these latter days, he spoke to us through his son, the divine son of God. 
The one who's going forth is from of old, from everlasting. In the latter days, it would not be, I should say, in the latter days, it would be not David, Solomon, Jeroboam, or Rehoboam, or Hezekiah, Josiah. They were just mere humans that were reigning in Zion. Now, this would be the Lord God himself. The covenant God of gospel promise. The Lord God would reign in Zion. And this, you see, is where the nations would gather in faith to worship him. To hear his word and go out and live it as those who are called to live a life of obedient peace worthy of the gospel. There is that human element to this ruler. But also this divine one. The true comfort for these people and for all people of every age is that we can testify that with us is God. Emmanuel. With us is God. Not first our political rulers or our parents or our siblings or our spouses or our friends or our neighbors because they come and go. It's God that we need to be with us always. It's God whom we need to be bring everlasting comfort to our lives. Nobody else can do that. The gospel, the good news of this passage, for the people then and for the people now, is that God would come. God's going to come. He'd come in the flood. God would come in this special way so that in all times before this and all times after this, those who believed in this God of promise would be able to say, whatever their circumstance, that God was with them. Whether it was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joshua, David, Hezekiah, believers at Dune URC, or other Christians around the area, or around the world today. And there isn't anything more important for you or for me. I mean, we can, it'd be interesting to ask, right, everybody, what is most important to you right now? What's most important? I hope the way that you can answer that is that nothing is more important for any of us to know than this. That God is with us. Not that with me are my parents, or my buddies, or my car, or my job, or my friends, or my schooling. But with us as part of God's people, we say with us is God. To be able to know that. There is nothing more important in your lives than that. Nothing. And that good news can be known because of the promise kept of the exalted one who came to Bethlehem. Ephrathah. Long ago. It can be known in our lives today and is so for each of us who find our faith in the ruler from Bethlehem. Because we all have faith in something, don't we? 
whatever it is that we have faith in, that's most important to us. What's most important to you? It's our calling to find it in the one who came to Bethlehem long ago. Because this one, to come, as he did, meant the establishment of peace. He shall be their peace. We see that in the aftermath of this promise. It shows itself, however, throughout the passage, doesn't it? It starts already at the beginning of the passage, speaking about the latter days. In those days, God would rule in Zion, and the nations would come there to hear his word and then respond with faith and obedience. And it would lead to various forms of peace. People would be able to sit under fig trees and vines. Not in their homes, not inside, but outside. And they would find their lives undisturbed. They'd be able to see these things growing and to appreciate it and to enjoy it. Because their lives would now, now be undisturbed. They're so filled with peace. Nobody would make them afraid. They didn't have to cower in their houses. And the nations would come to hear the word and they'd get along. And the reason they got along was because they shared a common ruler. And they shared a common Savior. It would be this one, truly God, truly man, who would come from Bethlehem and who would come from heaven. He'd be the God who would rule over all. Always there for his sheep. Standing always in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the Lord is God. The Son would be that way for his people through the strength of his heavenly Father. That the dependable shepherd of his people would be their peace. Why wouldn't it be? Where's the travail and turmoil in this passage? Well, it's found in the fact that the people were going to be without a king. And they'd be without a temple where they could worship. And they were going to be without their land. And they were going to be deported to Babylon. And that would be so bad for these people. It would be like the one thing that people could look at and say, now is there any pain greater than when a woman has to give birth to a child? That's what they likened it to. But God transforms, comforts his people. He says, there's coming a time when people are going to worship in the house of the Lord in Zion in an even more glorious way. Hearing his word as believers gathered there by the Savior and the King to establish a strong nation and that while, for a while there would be no king. In the latter days, there would always be a king. The son of David. The son of God. 
And he'd reign no matter so that no matter what happened. These people of faith and grace and people of all nations, they'd know the peace of God and they'd know the God of peace with them. My friends, we live in those latter days. And we come to worship, and we don't do that at the earthly Zion. We don't go to Jerusalem. We don't pilgrimage there. No, we're transported to the heavenly one. As those gathered by the Lord to the heavenly Mount Zion, who continues to gather the nations to himself with the gospel. And when they gather for worship, his word is there. You know, John Calvin would say once upon a time, there is no worship where there is no word. He said, wherever the doctrine of the gospel is preached, there is God really worshipped. There sacrifices are offered. In a word, there the spiritual temple exists. Isn't that amazing? Every time you and I get together in worship, every time we come together to worship, as gathered by this ruler from Bethlehem, this passage reflects that time. You're part of that. Jesus calls his saved to praise him. And then to depart, to live out his word among us as Christians and with the peace in our hearts that the covenant God continues to be and always will be with us. And that's because of the shepherd who came and the shepherd who saved and who directs and protects and preserves us from the heavenly Mount Zion. How these people hated that they were going to be sheep without a shepherd. How they hated it that they wouldn't be able to worship anymore in Zion. And how they hated that they would lose everything. They saw the chaos. Well, they wouldn't lose everything. They still had the promise that the Prince of Peace would come. A shepherd like none other that they had ever had. In order that, now see yourselves in this, in order that they could worship like never before. So they could take a word like the scriptures would say that better a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere and multiply that in, in an exponential kind of way. And so that peace could be theirs always like never before. And plenty of people live today like sheep without a shepherd. They don't want one. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're one of them and your life is an unbelieving and disobedient, chaotic mess. And the reason for it is because you're not finding your peace with God and the peace of God through Jesus Christ. It's, he's just not that important to you. 
by trusting Christ to save you and living His way, though, peace can be yours to know, like this passage says, He shall be their peace. Maybe as a Christian, you're facing joys and sorrows, both. Maybe you need a, a reminder to continue to find your peace in the joy of the one who came from Bethlehem long ago. On him we can and we must depend. If, if, if our peace is eluding us, we need to get steered back to where we find it. with the wonderful Counselor and the Mighty God and the Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. He's still the Everlasting Shepherd and King. He'll never stop being that. Why would we want anybody else to take his place? He's still worthy of our praise and our faith and our trust and our obedience. Christ provides peace with God and Peace of heart. Good news reigns supreme in him. Chosen by God to be ruler over his people forever. Who, who came from Bethlehem as man. Who came from heaven as God. Who came to rule. Who came so that you and I can find peace and rest in him. Not just today, but for every day and for eternity. That everlasting peace that Good news supreme is why we celebrate Christ's coming. God's chosen ruler from Bethlehem. May that be our reason to celebrate today and always. And may it be that way because we can say we have found our peace with God. And we have found the God of peace in Jesus Christ. We could say, as Micah did long ago, they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. May that be so for you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're Grateful for the marvels of this one king. Human, truly. Divine, truly. Bringing peace. The great mediator that he is. The great go-between that he is. The one that we are called to take, find our joy. To gather together in the heavenly Mount Zion whenever we get the chance to worship. To hear that word of peace be reminded in all that we're facing what's most important for us. What needs to be most important for us. That if we find our, our lives to be in a upside down chaotic mess that we can find order, peace, tranquility, contentment reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. No wonder we celebrate the coming of Christ. We're glad that you didn't just promise Christ 
but you kept your promise. And even today, as was promised long ago, we may be part of that people that flow to the highest of mountains from all nations. We hear that calling to come to the house of the God of Jacob. That he may teach us our, his ways and that we may walk in his paths so that we might know his peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord, for your good news that way to us. May it be that way each and every day. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. <laughs> We're going to respond by singing 346. We're going to sing 346. And uh, I think what we can, we can do with this is, uh, yeah, we'll sing the, all the stanzas of this number. And uh, I mentioned here that we're going to uh, stay seated, but why don't we stand to sing, sing 346, and then uh, after that we'll take up our offering. Okay, let's uh, stand and sing 346.
seated. Our offering is for Lutheran, Lutheran Family Services this morning, and uh, God's blessings to you as you give to this cause. we can be to be a people that gives when God has given so much to us in his son and his spirit. Let's pray to God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that there are places like Lutheran Family Services that have been established so that people may see that they have options beyond the atrocities of aborted, aborted choices. We're glad, Father, for this organization and the ways that it impacts in positive ways, 
for the cause of Jesus Christ. We're glad we can give to that cause, and we pray that you'll give your continued blessing, Father, uh, to your cause, both now and forevermore. We'd ask that you would accept our prayers for Jesus' sake. Amen. I'd like to ask if you would stand, please, and we're going to receive the parting blessing of our God, and then sing another song. After the benediction, we'll sing number 318, Angels We Have Heard on High from the Trinity Psalter Hymnal. That book is found underneath your seats if you're visiting. And I'll, uh, we'll sing that without any further announcement after the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.